Nathan. Hello, Trevor. How are you doing, mate? <laughs> oh, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. It's been ages. It's been ages, hasn't it? And it's been a while. It's been at least seven. Yeah. It's been a, a week or two, and then it's been probably about an hour trying to sort out technology to get this working. <laughs> it's like we've had to start from scratch again, isn't it? It's like we had to invent the internet. Yeah, I think we did. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. Sorry it's been a while. Life took over a bit there, but um, we're back. We uh, apologise. We should have done a viewer's recommendation, but we sort of just dropped that at the moment. We'll pick up your films here and there, but now we're just going to do these as and when we can sort of get together now, aren't we? So there's no set format at the moment. It's what I'm trying to get to, isn't it, Nath? Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's just a case of uh, just being busy and, as you say, life getting in the way. But we still intend to put out the podcast as and when we can. Yeah. And because I still love talking about films and I missed that the last couple of weeks, been busy. But now we're here and we're going to talk about The Abyss, aren't we, Nath? Oh, aren't we going to talk about The Abyss? 1989, directed by James Cameron, starring Ed Harris and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Mastrantone? Mastrantonio? Mastrantonio. Mas- Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio and Michael Bean. Oh, isn't it Michael Bean? Isn't it? And I don't know why this film has sort of been on my mind for a while to watch this. I haven't seen it. Before. I can't remember the last time I saw it years ago. How about you? Oh, it's been a while, mate. I have to be honest. Yeah. Been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So I sort of bumped into Nath the other day and he said, well, we're doing a podcast. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I sort of said, well, I've been wanting to do The Abyss. And he's like, yep. So we've just done The Abyss. Yeah, done it. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. I didn't buy the T-shirt, though. No. i got to be honest, it was hard enough to find a copy of the film to watch, let alone a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, you said this. So you ended up watching it in... 57 short clips on YouTube. <laughs> You're... 57 clips? 57 clips. But the whole film? Uh, yeah, I believe it was the whole film from memory. It was, um, I don't think I missed much. There might have been a few seconds here or there where the clips didn't quite line up with the last one. Yeah, that's but crazy, isn't it? I got it? the general gist of it. So this Russian geezer takes a submarine out, decides he wants to defect, and then um, uh, he hides in his submarine in deep water just to be found by an American submarine. And then they have this elaborate sort of game of cat and mouse. Another machi- a submarine blows up and then they all travel off to uh, somewhere in South America to hide it. That's the film, right? <laughs> that's the hunt for the abyss in October or something, is it? Yeah, that's the, the hunt for the red abyss in late <laughs> October. Something like that. Oh, dear, Nathan. I've missed you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, before we get on to talking about the film, because we will get to talk about the film, because that's what we do, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's, well, it's part of what the podcast is about, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I thought I'd, I'd, you know, let the people know that we are still here. And I said, look, we've been off the air for a while. But what films, new or old, have you guys watched since we were last on air? Let us know. So we've had some feedback. Do you want to hear it, Nathan? Oh, I love listening to feedback. Chris Benton 
Hello, Chris. Said, Book of Eli. Awesome film. Watched it countless times. I think he's mentioned this before, hasn't he? Book of Eli. Yeah, I think he has. Have you watched Book of Eli? I haven't, mate. It's a bit of an action-y one, is it? I got the feeling it is. I don't know. Um, Crystal Rocks says, Gerald's Game on Netflix. Right. First time I watched a movie with subtitles. I don't know why she's watched that with subtitles, though, because... I've watched Gerald's Game. It's a Stephen King book about this bloke and this woman. They're having an affair. And they go off into this house in the middle of nowhere in this country house. And he ties her up, like handcuffs her to the bed. And he starts doing, like, to do sex games. Um, And then he dies. And she's, like, stuck on the bed. And she can't get out because she's handcuffed to the bed. And, uh... It's a weird, really weird Stephen King book, and I thought the film was actually quite good on Netflix. They've done quite a few of King's books, but yeah, I don't know why she's watched that in subtitles, because it is English, unless she's not English. I don't know. Oh, well, yeah, I don't really have much to add to that. No. Rob Jones says, this weekend we've just watched Shang-Chi. That's the new Marvel, isn't it? The Kung fu one? Right, yeah. Is it? And the Ten Rings. Yeah. Uh, Jungle Cruise. Yeah. And Red Notice, all great family fun. I've seen Red Notice. I think we were going to plan on watching that. That's um, The Rock and your mate, what's he called? Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, it's funny you should Ryan say Reynolds. that. I just watched that yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah. Is that what you were going to tell me? It is what I was going to tell you. you. Now you've brought it up in this topic, you know. In it. Oh, I could have asked you first. So what do you think of it? Do you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. It's all right. It's neither The Rock or Ryan Reynolds' best work, but... You know, it was all right. Easy going. Yeah, it's an easy film to watch. I um, I also watched. Don't know what. Don't think I've got a thing for The Rock. I haven't. But I watched um, the Baywatch again. The, I I have watched that again. <laughs> but I watched uh, the Jung, the Jumanji, the second Jumanji film. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Was on there. I think we might watch that at some point. At gunpoint. At gunpoint. Yeah, defos. Um, Becca Gulliver. Said, my 14 year old daughter has been going on a nostalgia trip re watching all the Disney and Pixar animated movies. So I've seen a bunch of movies, new and old, lately. Yeah, I've not seen a lot of the Disney films, the animations. Not recently, the newer ones. I don't think I've seen one since The Lion King, which I only watched last year for the first time, actually. But I've seen all the Pixar's. Yeah, you like a Pixar animation, don't yeah. you? Nathan? I do love. I do love an animation. I, I watched um, the live-action remake of Aladdin the other day, and I've got to be honest. Oh yeah, Will Smith. Yeah, I prefer the animated version. It's it's um, directed by what's he called, isn't it? Um, who done Lockstock? Guy Ritchie. Is it? Yeah. Uh. Did you know that? Uh, no wonder it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's Robin Hood no is it Robin Hood he done no King Arthur that's a load of shit isn't it? yeah it's not not really his genre if I'm honest <laughs> no I didn't think uh, Aladdin was too bad though. we watched that at the cinema I quite enjoyed it um, Leon Bateman says same as Rob Jones Shang-Chi Jungle Cruise and also The Good Dinosaur and Paranorman which sadly is not about a guy called Norman who spends his time smashed off his head on special brew. Oh. Is it? I won't, I won't bother watching it then. Nah, sounds <laughs> awful. Jason Paris, now he has said this on numerous 
times on these little comments. Flash Gordon. Yeah. Has he really watched Flash Gordon? I keep thinking he's just having us on about Flash Gordon. Or is he like the biggest fan? I know there's massive Flash Gordon fans, isn't there? Yeah. I mean... I think Jason is one. Oh, I mean, it's, I don't know if I liked it as a film, but, um, you know, it's it was an odd one, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. One of them cult films, isn't it, that people love for being sort of camp and corny, isn't it? Queen did the soundtrack, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. Good, good song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I rank Queen songs. Yeah. Flash is usually down the bottom, if I'm honest. <laughs> it usually doesn't even register. Wow. But there you go. Oh, I mean, um, there's um, Brian Blessed as well. He's in it. Oh, Blessed. Blessed are the Brians. Andy Hunt said, Hawk the Slayer, a classic. I have never heard of that, have you? No. Going to be honest, I have no idea what that's about. No, I've never heard of it. Hawk the Slayer. No, never fucking heard of it, mate. Hawk the Slayer. <laughs> hang on, hang on, I'm running a Google. This Go on, is- yeah, run a Google. I haven't even looked to see what it is. This will probably completely ruin my fucking internet again. Oh, you're internet. trying to do two things at once? <laughs> nah, fuck you. Yeah. Well, Nave's internet is playing up big time tonight. It keeps knocking us out. We have to keep... Starting. That looks fucking horrendous. <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> it does look awful. Oh, dear. Andy, we'll leave you to that one. It's Jack Palance, isn't it? But... Uh, Andy, don't message again. Um, right, hang on. Angarad, Angarad Webb, I apologise if I've pronounced your name wrong. Uh, you probably know us by now. <laughs> we're, we're... Ready or not, good thriller that doesn't require too much attention. And Knives Out, again, such a good film. Have you seen Knives Out, Nath? I haven't. I do want to see Knives Out. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. That's um, Jamie Lee Curtis, isn't it? And Daniel Craig? Jamie Lee Curtis. Daniel Craig plays the... Uh, detective. The detective, yeah. I think they got more planned. Is it Chris... They're going to sort of follow him. Chris Evans? Yeah, yeah. Captain America's in it. Steve Rogers. Got to love a bit of Steve. I didn't realise as well, Cap, um, Chris Evans was one of the original Fantastic Four when they made that film. He was, it? yeah. He was the Human Torch, wasn't he? Don't know, mate. Can't remember. It's shit. <laughs> I don't know. I keep meaning to watch it again. And the original Hulk. Yeah. What? Um, Eric Banner. Yeah. Yeah. Really long winded, wasn't it? Liv Tyler as well, wasn't it? Yeah. It? I do like a bit of Liv Tyler. No, it's not Liv Tyler. No. It's the other one with a mole on her face. Ah, what's her name? 2003 film. IMBD. Jennifer Connolly. Fuck you. I was just getting there. As Betty Ross, yeah, Jennifer Connolly. Yeah, it was Liv Taylor in the next one then. Liv Taylor was in one of them, wasn't she? I don't know. Was she in the next one? Was the Hulk? Was she in the Ed Norton one? Anyway, yeah, Sa- yeah Sam Elliott was in that one. Yeah, which you know was good because we like a bit of Sam Elliott, don't we? Oh yeah, we like a bit of it. Bigfoot. He was good, wasn't he? When he good in Bigfoot and yeah. the do- and there's uh, the cowboy and the big Lebowski. Brilliant role, that. And Blue Jean Cop. Was he Blue Jean Cop or was that Peter? Well, actually, I don't know. Forget about it. And finally, last... Forget about it. Last but not least, Chris Bowker. 
says 10 Cloverfield Lane. Has he just announced his address? <laughs> I think so. Get around there. See what he's watching tonight. 10 Cloverfield Lane is the American science fiction psychological thriller directed by Dan Trachenberg. It is directorial... Directorial... Di- fucking hell. Directorial... Directorial debut. Debut. Produced by J.J. Abrams. So I wonder if it's... I was going to say, is it... It's a sequel to the Clar- the Cloverfield Paradox. Right. Is that anything to do with Cloverfield then? I don't know what all this Cloverfield is. I've never seen any of it. Have you? Yeah, I watched the first one. Yeah, Cloverfield. Isn't isn't in the Alien Invasion? Yeah, that was J.J. Abrams, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I've not seen any of them. Yeah, so thank you for sending in your choices. <laughs> <laughs> We've hardly seen any of it. <laughs> oh, I don't know what I was expecting, really. Nath, so you've seen a couple Fair. of films with The Rock. You seen anything else? No, mate, I haven't. I've no. been watching um, some anime series on Netflix called um, Cowboy Bebop. Oh, right. Yep. Each to their own, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I watched a Netflix series. I was watching that Squid Games. I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. Okay, right up to the point. Right up until he went to the hairdressers. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? I haven't, but I read your post and then uh, I yeah. just <laughs> cried inside a little bit. I was just oh, I was laughing so hard. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what it's about <laughs> so much. It's Korean, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's um, a masterclass in tension, I'll tell you that. Right, okay. But I have I have watched quite a lot recently. I went to the cinema. I watched the new Dune. I don't know if I mentioned that last I time. I haven't, yeah. That was really good. Good. And then I went to watch uh, the new Edgar Wright film, Last Night in Soho, which started off really good. And I think it was a, the ending ruined it a bit, really. It was a bit of a letdown ending. But it was really good, really interesting I've, up until then. Um, but I went to watch, without you, Naif, I'm afraid, yeah. the French Dispatch. Was it any good? Oh, I loved it. Right. I loved it. And do you know what? It was the busiest the cinema's been since I've been. And I really thought I'd be the only person in there. Usually I go and watch films and there's like a handful of people or one or two of us, you know. But there was a lot of people there to watch that film midweek as well wasn't even like the first or the last showing. Good. Yeah, it's good to see that. Good old uh, Wes Anderson. I thought it was good. It's a bit of an anthology film. There's lots of different stories. And uh, a lot of the critics and that, uh, a lot of people saying, oh, you can't get invested in it. But it's not one. Yeah, it's not one you get emotionally tied to. But it's just great fun. I just really enjoyed it. Good. Yeah. Well, I should look forward to seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Um, but before your internet cuts out, Knife. <laughs> yeah. Shall we just talk about the abyss? Oh, we can talk about the abyss if you want. All right. Oh, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what else I have watched, actually. Oh, we won't bother. No, I'm go on. Because the new Ghostbusters comes out this weekend, coming. Yeah. So me and Cohen have watched all the Ghostbusters films. Oh, good. Yeah. That's nice for you. 
Sorry. Oh, that's our two. I like the first two Ghostbuster films. I did. Yeah, watching them again, the first one's just brilliant. It's just like lightning in a bottle, isn't it? Yeah. You know? They didn't know what they had on their hands until they sort of made it. And they was they rushed the production as well. They didn't have a lot of time. They didn't have a lot of money. There's, I've watched a couple of really good documentaries about it, actually. That does surprise me. Yeah. Um <laughs> But then the second one, they seem to. It seems to be after the real Ghostbusters cartoon comes out, and they sort of sculpt. They changed a lot to suit that. Right, gone for the kids' audience, you know. And yeah, yeah I didn't. It wasn't as good watching it this time. It's nowhere near as good as the first one, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I used used to when I was a young. And then you've got obviously Chris Hemsworth in the third film. So yeah, see, that's all good. Yeah, his character just a bit. St- what I liked about Ghostbusters is that they're the main sort of comedy and everyone else is normal, straight around them, you know? Yeah. Whereas the, the girls, I call it the girls Ghostbusters. It was just... A bit sexist. Yeah. Everything was stupid in it, you know? And that Chris Hemsworth character was just too stupid sometimes. Some of it's funny. It's all right. I don't think two or three really leap out as being worth being made, <laughs> you know, who knows what this Ghostbusters afterlife is going to be. It's the kids Ghostbusters. I'm going to call it the kids ghost. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see. Um, apparently they're making a TV series of it now. It's been commissioned. Oh, good. So that might be better. I don't know. Make a comedy series out of it. Anyway, let's fucking talk a bit, shall we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I've got to be honest with you, uh, out of his entire career, this was what, to me, was one of Sean Connery's best roles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I can't really comment because uh, I haven't seen Sean Connery in anything else. Other than The Abyss. Yeah. (laughs) No. No. Um, Did you see my post I put up on the We Need to Talk About Movies podcast about Sean Connery turning down... uh, Gandalf. <laughs> if you haven't seen that, ladies and gentlemen, go over to facebook.com forward slash we need to talk about movies podcast. Just scroll down a bit till you find a picture of uh, older Uncle Sean. Yeah, yeah, that was, um, that was fucking funny. I can remember that now, clear as a bell, yeah. But anyway, yeah, Sean Connery isn't in the abyss. In case you lot are wondering. No. Nafe's just being a hell of a funny. And you, Nafe. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so, old Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Well, James Cameron first. It's his, 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 he'd done Terminator. Yep. At this point, he's done Aliens. Yep. And then this. It's sort of... I always think there's... He's got his own universe, hasn't he, James Cameron? Yeah. Everything feels like it fits in his universe. Like, this. The spaceships in Aliens and Terminator feel very much like this underwater world. You know, it all feels of the same sort of landscape. Do you know yeah. what I mean? The same design. It's, I mean, he does a lot of the design in himself. It's, he's amazing concept the, artist. I love the underwater drilling rig, just the look of it. And... The, yeah. Just the feel of it externally, externally, in, internally, internally, 
And um, I love the mini subs as well. The flatbed with the arm and everything. Oh, it's just, mm. it's just fucking brilliant. Everything. Yeah. I was mesmerized by this film as a kid. I was always making, after watching it, I was always making little submarines to live in an underworld water world out of Lego and stuff like, you know, I was yeah. always like trying to make submarines sink in the bath and stuff just, but not like your, um, Hunter Hunt for Red October, like classic submarines that you think of like nuclear subs, but like these little mini subs exploring an underwater world. Like, you know, yeah, yeah that's what I mean. It, the look of it all is like, you know, with the arms and stuff, is much like the loader in Aliens, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And then it, later on in Avatar, you got the same thing. And then the aliens in this, all the phosphor, the phos, the phosphorus, the glowy bits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh, why can't I talk tonight? It's the wrong thing to do a podcast, isn't it? When you can't talk, <laughs> but it's all that's all very similar to the abyss. Yeah. And then of course you've got James Cameron, sort of a, his obsession with the ocean. And he, I mean, later on, he'd go on to build, to help build submarines that could go down to the depth to explore Titanic, you know? Yeah, yeah. Very clever bloke. But I hear a bit of a prick to work for. I wouldn't know. <laughs> no, I think uh, he gets a bit, gets a bit angry in productions. On Netflix at the moment, there's the films that made us and you can watch the production of Aliens. Right. And yeah, he fell out with everyone basically on there. And then I think I've heard Ed Harris has said that he'd never worked with James Cameron again. Yeah. Well, actually, this production of The Abyss is um, one of those films where people who are on it look back at the film and go, never again, you know? <laughs> yeah. That was a fucking nightmare production. Yeah. They break it. I mean, I watched um, uh, something about it where. James Cameron was basically saying that Ed Harris rocked up hundreds of hours of like scuba diving underwater, like, you know, in the production of this film. Yeah. But he's, he's to his knowledge had never dived anywhere other than that tank in the middle of the desert where they filmed it. Um, I think Ed Harris had learnt to dive for the film that he'd done previous or something I heard. Right. Okay. But yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, you wait when you're filming a film, there's a lot of standing around, waiting for shots to set up, waiting for, you know, all these different variables, lighting and the cinematographer get the cameras ready and the director to make sure everything's right. And then you've... So a lot of standing around as an actor. Yeah. But in this, because they're in this tank and they once they're in the water, they've got to stay in there because they've got to go down to the bottom of this tank. And I think it's like 30, 40 metres deep. Yeah. Sit there for like hours and hours sitting around on the bottom of the ocean <laughs> waiting to film you think oh god it must have been yeah immense really it sounds like the sort of thing i would have been really excited about for the first two days <laughs> yeah and then once you're there it's sort of like oh my god yeah it's like the, the, the fun's kind of gone out of it now let's just yeah. get this fucking done and get home the the tank took five days to fill up with water. That's fucking crazy, isn't it? And uh, they, I'm sure they used more than one tap as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's a huge thing, wasn't it? But it was an old nuclear facility that was part built and they never used it. Right. And it's the main reactor. Right, okay. Basically, and because it was sort of built so thick to concrete to withstand like nuclear blast or anything 
You know, if there was like a bomb dropped near it. Yeah, yeah. So it was like they knew that it would hold all this water. Right. So, yeah, pretty amazing. There's a documentary called, um, oh. <laughs> Sounds epic. Un- Under Pressure, called Under Pressure. Yeah. I'll find a link to it and I'll share it to the Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash we need to talk about movies podcast. <sighs> <laughs> i share it on there so they basically yeah in this tank they built this full scale like oil rig set underneath oh it's amazing isn't it does look amazing yeah it's it's cool the film looked even though i mean it doesn't look old is what i was going to get at like you know Mm. there are some bits in it where you can see the animation of the arm and stuff but yeah, I did notice that there's a bit because it, it must have been stop motion animation in there. Yeah, because I mean most of it is like miniatures. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It's clever stuff. But it just it looks fucking awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and um, I don't think you know, given what they've tried to achieve in this film in nineteen, well, obviously prior to nineteen eighty nine when it was released, I, I don't yeah. think it's aged badly at all. I think it's still a great spectacle for the eyes. You know. Yeah, I think James Cameron, you know, he makes, he does make good films. There's no doubt about it. Whether you like Titanic or not, or Avatar, they look great. You know, uh, I know the the story of Avatar is a bit corny and has been done before. Much like Titanic, you know, is Romeo and Juliet on a ship. He takes on these challenges of creating these worlds, and they look brilliant. I mean, I've said it before, Titanic and Avatar are the only two films I've watched at a cinema four times each. Wow. You know, and I was watching this last night thinking, I'd love to see this at the cinema. I bet this is awesome at the cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently all copies of this have been deleted. (laughs) It's nowhere, was it? No. It's not on, like... Amazon Prime even. I can't imagine for the life of me who it offends. <laughs> but it's got to... It's, rat. It, People who like rats, Nath. It's got me. to offend someone, isn't it? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, that's it. Animal cruelty. Like, yeah. Just... You could see that the rat that, that was drowning was animatronic. No. It was a real rat. Was it really? But this... Yeah, I was looking into it. And it also mentioned it in this documentary. What they're saying about the uh, fluid yeah. that you can breathe yeah. is true. And that is actually what they're doing to that rat. It's actually a real sample of that fluid. Right. And the, it's supplied to them by the sort of scientists who had devised it. Yeah. And they was there on set to make sure that the rat wasn't harmed. Right. You know, so some people would think it was cruel. Because, you know, science scientists tend to be cruel to rats don't they? <laughs> to get results. They are cancer rats, aren't they? But, yeah, it's a real rat. Right. Really breathing. You know, it's it's a real thing. It hasn't sort of... That's a real science? It's, yeah, it's not up to the, to the standard where they've got it in suits and you can go down diving yet, I don't think. But it's there. Wow. And it was there in 1989, the fundamentals of it. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I swear down when I was watching it, I was like, that's got to, the way that rat's gasping, that's got to be animatronic. But hey. Yeah, no, apparently not. But I suppose they wasn't drowning it. And then it, well, there was cuts. And if it's going to take 20 minutes, yeah, they haven't got enough time in the film, have they? It's only a short bit of a scene, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, fair enough. You know. Anyway, so no. couldn't couldn't find it on Netflix, couldn't find it on Amazon Prime, couldn't find the full video on YouTube. So I had to watch it in fifty-seven fucking snippets. <laughs> Uh, uh, I've watched a film like that. I can't think what it was, but I have watched a film like that on Netflix, on YouTube before, in parts. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't it? But still. Luckily, I've... I've got it on DVD, but I must say, I put it on the DVD. At first, I put it on the Xbox, because we've got the Xbox downstairs. If uh, For some reason, it's a widescreen film, but the Xbox doesn't play DVDs to fit the screen for some reason. So not only has it got the bar top and bottom, it's got yeah. the bars at the sides, just a tiny little square in the middle of my telly. And I was like, no, this is not happening. <laughs> so then I got my old Blu-ray player out, but the eject button wouldn't work. It took me like an hour to get the film working. So even though I had it on DVD, I still had as much trouble to watch it as you <laughs> did, Nave. Oh, mate. Honestly, I mean, was it just over two hours in it, the film? And fuck me, did it take all of that and more because I kept having to re-watch, like the le- end of the last <laughs> clip was the start of the next clip. Some clips were on there twice for some reason. Oh. I was, I, I got to be honest, I enjoyed this film. I love the film, The Abyss, but I was fucking angry watching it yesterday. Well, I'm glad you was as well. <laughs> I was as well. Uh, By the time it had started, it was like... You know, I set it, set it to watch at just coming up to eight. So I thought I watched the extended special edition as well. So it's like two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. So I thought I've put it on at eight, you know, plenty of time. Nearly nine o'clock by the time I started watching it. Fucking hell. I was like, fuck, you know. Um, so yeah, late night, staying up watching that. But Good. But yeah, watching it as well, once I started watching it, the DVD almost looked like a pirate copy. So it's a film I need to try and track down on Blu-ray, I think. Right. Because uh, it deserves to be watched in HD, I think. Yeah, it is a visual spectacle. It does need that. Yeah. So The Abyss, I don't know if you guys have ever watched it, but it's a bit... It's... At first, there's like... It's a bit like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, isn't it? Crossed with... The Hunt for Red October, I guess. Yeah. There has basically been an American sub has been... Um, it's tracking something at the beginning, or isn't it? Like there's like a UFO unidentified... Not flying object, swimming object. Yeah, so <clears throat> basically they're... They think it's the Russians, don't they? Yeah, they're tracking something that's moving underwater faster. I mean, I think the fastest subs... Military subs probably travel underwater at about 35 knots, right? Yeah. Uh, or possibly 40 knots. I think maybe a Russian Alpha could possibly get to 40 knots just over. Uh, and they're tracking something at like 60, 80, 140 knots underwater, which is just ridiculous. So they think it's some sort of new Russian technology that they're dealing with. Uh, but the, uh, the um, whatever it is, uh, as it turns out, spoiler alert, to be some underwater aliens, uh, they have this um, EMP, electromagnetic pulse thing, that sort of happens whenever they're near, and it cuts off all electric around them, yeah. and it shuts off the submarine, and then the submarine sort of crashes into an underwater um, can, the side of an underwater canyon, and sort of sinks, which then launches this massive uh, military... Uh, search and rescue operation yeah and that's when ed harris and his sort of movable oil rig 
which was designed by his ex-wife, uh, Lindsay, played by Maid Marion. Was she Maid Marion? She was Maid Marion, Robin was she? Prince in, um, of Thieves. Prince of Thieves, yeah. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantirion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's not not too happy that this is going on. And she's turned up with some Navy SEALs fronted by Michael Bean auditioning for the uh, village people with that lovely moustache of his. <laughs> Hasn't he Didn't got he? a sexy moustache? <laughs> and he's wearing that silly little cap backwards at the beginning. As it just, oh God, it looks so village people. It does it? not look like a <laughs> Marine, does he? No. But saying that, he's really good in this. Yep. Towards, you know, as the film takes off. Because Michael Bean, he, he's Hicks in Aliens. Hicks, that's exactly who he is, yeah. Yeah, he's um, Kyle Reese in Terminator. So he's like um, James Cameron's sort of sort of go-to guy, really, isn't he? I mean, I don't know what they get off to off screen, but if you say so. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if he'd done any any of his later films, but yeah, I thought I thought he was good in this, and um, yeah, plays a real shit, doesn't he? Yeah, Coffee is his name. Coffee? Yeah, Lieutenant Coffee. I don't know if he plays a real shit. I mean, he's just doing what he thinks is right. He's just he is uh, a your typical American Navy SEAL that's just jumped up on you know nothing gets in the way of the mission, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah. Anyway. And then he's also sort of having a bad reaction to being that far down in the water, isn't he? He's got the shakes. Yeah, yeah. He's not, not having probably a Probably an onset of, of an aneurysm. No. Um, but yeah, you're saying about, you know, typical American GI sort of. I think a lot of this, and in a lot of James Cameron films, I always think he, one of his directions, when he says to people, I want you to do this as Americanly as you can. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Do it more Americanly, god damn it! (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah, The way they all, like, everyone acts, like, um, that Chris Elliott is up on the ship, isn't he? Um, you know, the bloke at Scary Movie 2 with the withered hand. Yeah. He's yeah. The, the cameraman in um, Groundhog Day. Uh, I completely forgot he was in this, and he's up on the ship. And he's there, like, chewing gum, Americanly chewing gum the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> And yeah. then you've got the way that they all manoeuvre, the way they're walking through stuff, and they're all shouting at each other. Doing American, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean, Nathan, don't you? I know exactly what you mean. The moment you said it, it just, oh my God, just creased me up inside. I can see it in Aliens. I yeah. can see it in The Terminator. I can see it in all these movies I can think of now. <laughs> Fuck's sake. In Avatar, oh my God, is it in Avatar? Yeah. Yeah, fucking hell. So he does love, um, but uh, again, this is a very similar setup to aliens isn't it yeah with the crew you know they're all quite macho and hard and except for like uh what's his name hippie yeah alan hippie he's sort of the weedy one isn't he but then you've got kimberly scott as one night uh and she's like the cowboy got the cowgirl hat um they're all quite sort of masculine yeah and, and even the women are masculine much like 
the alien crew, the aliens crew, really, isn't it? With Vasquez and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not knocking him at all because I really enjoyed this. But you can see where Cameron gets his influences. Um, and obviously, he said the one film he went to watch at the cinema and he was like, this is what I need to be doing, was when he went to watch Star Wars. And that was what made him decide to get into films. Right, yeah. And the scene with Bud, Ed Harris and Lindsay, I don't know if this is a deleted scene or not, but he's sort of following her around saying, oh, you, you've come here because you you were worried about me. Yeah, yeah. She's like, no, I'm worried about the rig. Oh, yeah. And it's very much like the scene on Hoff where Han Solo is following Princess Leia around or the scene in the ship in Empire Strikes Back, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's almost taken from that. Yeah, it's almost a carbon copy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, their relationship. It's almost like it had been frozen in carbonite. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently that that relationship was based on the relationship with uh, James Cameron's wife, Gail Ann Hurd, who was sort of behind him with Terminator and Aliens. And she produced this as well. And I think at this point they'd sort of split up, but they was still working together. Right. So I think it's sort of reflecting that. Okay. Sort of relationship. Do you think he was hoping that him and his missus were going to get back together then? I don't know. I think he's had like, he's like Henry VIII, mate. He's had like eight wives, I think. How many of them are decapitated? Only three. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I can see um, the similarities. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Ad Harris. I don't think they're all really good in this, but. Some bits are better than others. I've, I enjoyed. I don't know. Do you you say you saw the alternate ending, Naif? Yes. Yeah. So did you watch the special edition then, or was it just you? No, watched? no. I found the alternative ending on YouTube whilst I was trying to find the film. So I just had that playing in the background. Yeah. And um, I seen an interview with James Cameron where he's talking about when he was trying to when you because. Basically, the original cut was they decided it was too long. Films that long don't really do that well in the cinema. So he's trying to keep it to two hours and 10 minutes. Yeah. So he tried to, he said, when he's cutting a film, rather than taking little bits and hit bits and pieces here and there, he'll take a whole um, storyline, sub, yeah, subplot. Yeah. So uh, he took out the whole subplot. And then when I was watching it, it's just like the aliens were going to flood massively the planet with tsunamis everywhere and then they yeah, caused they the, water the water because they saw him send a message to uh, Lindsay saying i love you and it's just like yeah uh, i gotta be honest yeah. with you that was pretty fucking weak anyway cameron like you just that that shouldn't have even been an option that shouldn't have been in the end cut anyway you know what I no mean? yeah it is a bit cheesy <clears throat> it's yeah. a bit he's trying to go for his like closing counters where aliens don't have to be the bad guys right. you know and um yeah and then it's sort of like oh let's make a big point about the the state of the world it's all very sort of cheesy isn't it it's all on the nose and a bit corny but i do yeah. remember when i first saw it years and years ago when i first saw the extended version i thought oh that's amazing but yeah watching it last night i was like yeah but then watching the version without it, it sort of that doesn't make much sense either. <laughs> it's like they find him and then he goes, How are you guys doing? And then they just play his messages back, which misses out the whole bit 
conversation in the middle and you're sort of like, well, that message doesn't actually mean anything. No, no, it doesn't. But like, I kind of, when I watched it, I was like, okay, so they've intercepted his message and they've been like, you know, maybe they understood that by him diving down to that depth, uh, he's diffused a nuclear bomb that might have caused them a lot of problems. So they've, in thanks and gratitude, they've saved his life. Yeah. That's that's how I kind of understood it. Yeah. Well, that's how then, I rationalised it in my head anyway. So in the normal version then, yeah. because I haven't seen that for ages, he says he's took out that whole subplot. So do you see footage of the Russian and American war going on? No. above throughout because no. No, so earlier on in the film there's scenes where they're watching the news and the americans have bombed a russian ship right blown it out of the water yeah. and it's all escalating above the water no that's none of that's in it none of it's in there no so i mean there's some bits of the plot that i think oh that's really good because it makes it all a lot more tense yeah and you sort of understand a bit more why michael bean is going sort of ape shit down the bottom yeah, trying yeah. to blow up these aliens. Yeah, they they could have they could have put bits in it where there was tension between the Russians and the Americans that would have added to it. That didn't have to have them blowing up ships. That would have added to the film. Yeah, but still wouldn't have had to have been removed as part of the subplot. Yeah, yeah. But if he didn't if he didn't have that footage to play with, then he didn't have that footage to play with. But you know, if you're being told you've got to take a film down to two hours and ten minutes. Um, you know, it's a very punchy film as it is. Like, you know, it's very fast moving. So I, you wouldn't want... Yeah, loads happens in it, doesn't it? It's like each scene is like, oh God, now this, now that. Yeah. It's like really fast moving. Yeah. My wife had never seen it and she really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, she said afterwards, like, God, that was good. I was like on the edge of my seat for most of that. And it is real gripping, isn't it? Yeah, there's like, fuck, I wouldn't, you know, if you had to cut it back, I mean, I watched the standard cut, but if you had to cut it back any further than that, geez, you're going to be eating into some real meat of the film, you know? Yeah. And it does seem that the scenes they took out make the film a completely different film. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I watched the extended version and I was sort of thinking afterwards, I can't quite remember what the normal version looks like. I probably haven't watched the normal version for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I think sort of the normal version... The theatrical version, let's say, yeah. Yeah, it keeps, like, all of the good underwater bits going on, but like you say, it loses most of what's happening above the water, and it does lose that subplot. But you do still get the general gist that there are an alien down there that's sort of making first contact, and, um, you know, they're sort of trying to investigate us and get a feel for what's going on with us. Or are they not? Are they just existing down there? Like, you know what I mean? That's, that's, I think that's yeah. the difference. That's the theatrical version makes it like there's an alien nation just living down there in this massive city and uh, they're like, keeping themselves to themselves. And um, we accidentally happen upon them with a submarine and then cause ourselves a load of world of problems. Yeah. Uh, and exactly. Like, and once the aliens are like in the extended version, incorporated into the plot and it's all about mankind on the brink of destruction yeah and then these aliens bringing all the water all the tidal waves to the brink of wiping them out to say look sort yourselves out yeah 
yeah. sort of like a slap from a <laughs> yeah it's different isn't it? it does change it yeah doesn't make it such a personal film does it no um the the mu- music by alan silvestri who I, I always first film i think of when i hear his name is um the back to the future films right like theme tune yeah yeah but in this it's very it's very much wanting to be john williams isn't it the music throughout this film the strings in the opening scenes with the the american sub that sound like very much like jaws there's uh bits of star wars it sounds like in places and then when the aliens are around it sounds just sort of like close encounters of the third kind when the aliens visit it's all the same sort of sounds used so yeah i mean Alan Silvestri and James Cameron, I think, have both been heavily... Everything at this point was heavily influenced by Star Wars, wasn't it? I suppose uh, Return of the Jedi had only been out for like six years at this point, so Star Wars was still very much shaping everything, wasn't it? Yeah. And Close Encounters as well. I mean, have you ever seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Yeah, I watched it with you. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. That's. I'd love to talk about that at some point. That's one of my favourite spielberg films yeah i was you know obviously after his encounter with a shark hooper sort of decided that uh he was going to be sort of more land-based but clearly he goes a little bit mental um i mean that's that's kind of (laughs) what i took from it yeah yeah um and then back to the future doesn't Lindsay decide she's going to dress just like marty mcfly in, yeah, <laughs> in this with the denim and the red bloody uh, jacket. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is Marty McFly's costume, isn't it? She just c- completely copy- copies that. Yeah, oh, you can't blame her. I mean, it was a good look for a dude. Good look, yeah. At the time, but you know, and then we can't talk about the abyss without mentioning the water testicle tentacle. Can we name the water testicle tentacle? And again. This, uh, which harks back to what we were looking at in... Oh, Donnie Donnie Darko. Darko. Yeah. So, I mean, this was like one of the first CGI moments in cinema. You know, one of the first real, wow, look what they've achieved, wasn't it? Yeah, now, didn't this, wasn't this uh, technique or technology what they basically, it's like, right, now I've got this, I can get the T-1000 down. Exactly, yeah. Because they was going to do, when he first wrote Terminator, they was going to use a liquid metal Terminator, but they, it was going to be stop motion animation. It was going to be plasticine, basically. Yeah. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, just don't bother. Wrote it out. And then once they got this, they're like, yep, yeah, let's do it. And then faultlessly goes into the next film is... Uh, 1992, wasn't it? Terminator 2 come out. Was it that? But, yeah, Christ. And that still looks great today. I've got that on Blu-ray, and that's still amazing. That is a fucking Peckable. epic film. That's what I mean. His films don't date. Aliens hasn't really dated, you know? The visual effects of it all. Yeah. Just, look, he, does, he does make a great film. And although I enjoyed Avatar, I sort of was questioning whether he's left it a little bit too late for the sequel you know should he have struck while the iron was hot but he says he's waiting for the special effects so but i got a feeling he's going to blow it out the water again i think it's going to be another one of those films that you're going to want to see at the cinema yeah 
in 3D, hopefully. I love a 3D film. Oh. Well, we'll wait and see. When uh, is it scheduled to come out? Do you know? I don't know. Next year, I think. Okay. Next year or possibly the year after. But, yeah, so this was leading up to t- Terminator 2. And, I mean, not just that effect, though, but loads of the effects in this film. Like all, like we said about all the miniatures, all the underwater subs and stuff. I love all that model work. Yeah. And you can't tell it's models, can you? No. It's really well filmed, really well shot. There's a lot to be said for CGI, but didn't they make do with what they had back then to an amazing effect, really? You know, the original Star Wars films and all the likes of this. And Yeah, like I said, I don't think, for me, I, I don't think it looks dated at all, visually, this film. You know, there are like a little bit, there's a stop motion with the arm and that, but other than that, like I thought it was a really great looking film still to this day. Yeah, I enjoyed it this time round, despite the technical difficulties of watching it, as much as I did the first time I seen it. Yeah, the scene with Ed Harris where he drops down the into the abyss. Yeah, basically. I mean, uh, there's some great scenes. First of all, talking about when the, the storm hits. And they're still coupled and the crane is trying to pull them back up and the crane falls down. Yeah. And that whole scene where they're like, the crane's on its way down to you. And they're like, oh shit. And they're all bracing themselves. That's just fantastic. Yeah. And then you see the rope just coming down the cable and it's sort of landing on them. And then the crane lands next to them and they're all like, oh, thank God. And then it tips over the edge into the abyss and just starts dragging them towards the edge. Oh, it's just great. Some real good stuff going on there. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Like you say, the look of the rig and everything, just how it is. And just, I'm guessing the idea was fresh at the time of an oil rig that was completely underwater um, on the ocean floor. Was um, like maybe technically possible, but maybe we weren't doing it at the time. I don't know. I've, I've not looked into it at all. But the idea that they have to have a ship on the surface that they're tethered to that they disconnect to in stormy weathers, survive on their own and then reconnect. You know, it's just brilliant. The whole concept and how it builds up into this amazing storyline of like everything that could go wrong does go wrong. And then sort of even in the, it's not alluded to much in the theatrical version, but I'm guessing in the, in the full version sort of there's more hints of the fact that the aliens are the ones controlling the weather. Not, not until the end. No, okay. you don't really get that idea until the end. You understand that they're controlling the water because they can make the alien tentacle. Yeah. But it's not until the very end when they meet Ed Harris under the water and they take him into their mothership, which again, it's like the closing counter's mothership. Looks better underwater than it does above the water, doesn't it? Yeah, it loses something above (laughs) the water, doesn't it? It does. Like, oh, there's a big but, round plastic thing with little toy ships on it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it basically, once he's met them, that's when the clouds break away in time lapse, don't they? And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all clear. It's like a real cheesy shot, that. There's bits towards the end that sort of let this film down. The bit where he resuscitates it just goes on that little bit too long that it's unbelievable. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're like, well, she's dead. And then he stops resuscitating her, just starts slapping her and coaxing her out of death. 
You know, God, the bloke's a fucking miracle worker. He should be. Donna said they should get him to work in a hospital. Like, <laughs> you know, he could just. Yeah, come come back to life, come back to life. Coaxing her out of death is a bit shit, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. They so, could have stopped it a bit earlier, and it would have been like, oh god, that was close. It was like, was she? Wasn't she? Yeah. But it sort of went on so long. You think, well, no, she, she she's dead. But there you go. Another thing that I really liked the look of was the um, the aliens, like the little sort of thing that was scooting around that was like their little mini sub oh yeah yeah when you look yeah. when you can see when it's you like see sort the of translucent like. yeah and you can see through yeah. it and the shape of it where it's really sort of got a real hydrodynamic sort of flow to it all and you can see the internals and it all looks very natural and organic i thought that was a brilliant mm. sort of concept like you know yeah well they found actually like the um the sort of manta ray type creatures with the alien head yeah they've actually found like things like that down in the abyss haven't they since right okay when they've been down in that trench there is actually things down there that looks has like lit up like that it's amazing that's crazy isn't it yeah yeah i did i did love the aliens in this they're like puppets aren't they you see them operating them underwater and they flap their wings and stuff it's like it's clever if you watch that making of documentary yeah it goes and shows you how they do that because it, you know now that would all be cgi wouldn't it but back then it's seamless really that it's puppetry that's mental i didn't realize they were puppets that's crazy yeah um and some of the some of the ships the ships being pulled is done in miniatures underwater, but a lot of it is done in just a studio that they fill the room up with smoke and it's all done out of water. Right, okay. Uh, just made to look like water. Yeah, and as I was saying, the scene earlier where Ed Harris is dropping in the abyss, Yeah. they can't, no one can drop that quick in water without sort of a chance of damaging yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. With the pressure. So what they've done, they built a set of the abyss on its side and they drag him along underneath it. Oh, okay. So he's being dragged and it looks like he's falling, but he's actually being dragged horizontally no. across this wall. Some real good techniques in there. I just, oh, I love it. I love films like this. This is why I love films. Well, they can make you believe so much and the lengths they go to, to sort of achieve these things. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, slight of the hand sort of technique. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. But yeah, as I said, when it comes up out of the water, though, the, <laughs> the ship, and I don't believe the reaction of all them people up on that on the ships as well, sort of going out and wow and smiling, they'd be like calling the uh, air force in to bomb the shit out of it, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what <laughs> like, the fuck? What the fuck's going on? Yeah, <laughs> we're just ride riding a massive pink purple disc. Yeah. <laughs> looks like it's made of plastic. It it looks it looks pretty awful coming out the wall, doesn't it? Yeah. But you're you're in it till the end. Once you get that far, you sort of let it go, don't you? Yeah, but You've enjoyed the rest. Knowing when it was made and everything else, it's just like you can you can let it have that one, can you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an original story, isn't it? It's an original concept. There's nothing really else like it, is there? I don't think so. Cameron's obviously always been really interested in the ocean. Um, and this must have been like, yeah, you know, there's parts of the world, parts of the ocean that we haven't explored. Let's make a sci-fi down there. It's a great idea. I mean, fair play to him. It must have been a fucking massive undertaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I say he's a bit of a bastard to work for and people, you know, Kate Winslet has sort of had a moan about him on Titanic and that. He's a bit of a slave driver. He's a perfectionist. But, yeah, what he's going out, setting out to achieve is is amazing. And, you know, and the production was hampered with sort of all sorts of technical problems from day one. And for him to just keep going... I do. I got a lot of respect for James Cameron. I do think he is one of those filmmakers who's going to go down in history, isn't he? Whether you like his stuff or not. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, I, you know, I really enjoyed a lot of his films. Like, you know, whatever you want to take away from Avatar, the visual spectacle of it was fucking amazing. Yeah, the only film of his that I didn't really enjoy. It was True Lies. It doesn't really feel like a James Cameron film, does it? No. Feels more like a, a an Arnie vehicle than a James Cameron movie, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but then Jamie Lee Curtis is dancing around in her underwear pretending to be a stripper, so you know, it's it's <laughs> let, him, let him off. If it's <laughs> forgivable. Well, uh, anything else you'd like to say yeah. about the abyss, Nath? No, mate. Or, I mean, I think connected? we've sort of pretty much covered it. I'd, I, mate, I just, I've always, always loved this film. Cool. So, yeah, thank you, Nathan, for joining me. Thanks for having me, as always. It's been good to catch up again. It's been a while, and um, hopefully not so long before we do another one. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please, if you've got any correspondence, we'd love to hear from you. You can even support us by buying us a coffee. There's a link below. Or if you just want to contact us and let us know that you're listening, it's nice to hear from you. You can do it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash we need to talk about movies podcast, or you can email us at wnmovietalk at gmail.com. Can't they, Nathan? Yes, they can. What he said. But for now, until next time, whenever that might be, thanks ever so much, everyone, and we'll see you all again soon. Chase. Chase. He's waving.